Welcome to the Beyond Beauty Project podcast, where we're not just redefining beauty, we're reclaiming our bodies, rediscovering our self-worth, and we are rewriting the narrative. I am your host, Bridget Burrick-Brown. We believe true beauty comes from within, and beauty is how you feel. My hope for this project is that you feel seen and that we empower you to embrace your best self from the inside out. So join me and our community on this journey of redefining beauty beyond harmful beauty norms and societal pressures. This is the Beyond Beauty Project podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Today, I am here with a very special guest for my first episode of season four. His name is Jason Brown. And if you don't know him, I'm going to tell you who he is. He is my hubby. (laughs) Thanks for being here today. I'm proud of you. Oh, thank you. Okay, well, I need to do a little intro. So for the people that don't know yet, so here we go. Okay, ready, guys? Jason Brown is currently the Chief Revenue Officer for Spectrum Reach, which is the advertising division of Charter Communications. Leading up to his current position, he has led multiple sales organizations at companies like AT&T, Warner Media, and DirecTV. I can tell you that what I have seen and what I've heard over the years that he is one of the kindest and most innovative leaders that I know. As I grow my own project, I really look to him for guidance and advice and make him proofread my articles and he jumps in. He graduated from Skidmore College and he moved to New York City right after. He originally grew up on the West Coast right outside of LA. And I think he's most proud of, we'll let him answer this, but being a dad to our nine-year-old daughter, and you're such a wonderful dad. I mean, I'm lucky, she's lucky, and you're a wonderful hubby. You're so good that some of my friends would like to clone you, but we have a good relationship and I'm just really, I'm really grateful for that. And thanks for being here today. Uh, thank you so much, love. That was really nice of you. But I, I started by saying I'm proud of you. I, I remember when you started this project four years ago and where you are today from then to now is super impressive. So I just, I'm happy to be here, but happy to support you always. Oh, thank you. So should we tell people how we met? That's kind of a funny story. Yeah, sure. Who started? <laughs> Hmm. You start and then I'll interrupt you. Let's be just how we are in real life. We're at a dinner. Okay. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) So we met at the Soho house in New York on the roof. Uh, It was a summer day, but I would say we were both, I'm going to speak for you a little bit too, but I think we were both at a point where we were mature enough to have a a relationship. Mm -hmm. I had got out of a long one and you were just fresh kind of out of one. That's an important data point because we, you know, we, we, we certainly had, uh, you know, ups and downs in relationships leading up to that. And so I, I do really feel like we were ready for one. I was. Mm-hmm. Remember, I, you know, obviously just I'm instantly attracted to you, but also 
I just was like, oh my God, she's super cool. Like, I just want to hang out with you. And that's all, that's what we did. We, for the first four months, we were friends. I just, you know, there was nobody and there still is to this day, nobody that I'd rather hang out with than you. Aw, same. Yeah. And I think we had a cute kind of like start because one of my friends met you the same night I met you and she had like a little crush on you. It was like a one night crush because she ended up moving away like the next day. But I was like so loyal to her that I was like, we can only be friends. And then finally I was like, I emailed her. I'm like, I kind of want to kiss Jason Brown. And she's like, oh my God, I'm like living in Europe, you know? And, uh, so then I was like, kind of get, I was like, okay, you know, we can, we could date. And then you like kept bringing me out on these like group dates and I'm like, "Mm, no. (laughs) So then we like, you know, a little TMI, but like we were back at your place one time and I was like, if you want some of this, it's going to take more than a beer. <laughs> like, I was just like, so forever, like, I'll be like, oh, if you want some of this, you know? So, yeah. And then we went on a date. And the transition from like, because again, we were friends hanging out with a whole bunch of like a whole crew. So that I remember that very first date we went on Quinto Corto, where it was just you and I. Is that when you bought me my Christmas tree? Yeah. Yeah. And you like, Oh, I love that New York City stuff. It's like carry a Christmas tree on your back up the stairs and like really wanted a tree. You're like, let's go get you a tree. I was like, all right. Tried to go back to that restaurant. Remember now it's like a dry cleaners or something. Yeah. 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 So we got engaged really quickly because we just like once we were like, okay, we can date. And like you took me on a date. It was just so easy and natural. I had never like laughed with somebody so much. I remember we like grabbed your yearbooks and like I was like peeing yeah. my pants laughing. Yeah, yeah. And um it was like very serendipitous. Like you worked at a company that was based in the next city that I grew up in and my parents still lived in and my dad was coming to visit me and he had just had pacemaker surgery and he was like super worried about like putting the suitcase up and you were on his flight and there was all these like really cool things. So we got engaged quickly, like six months in. And then we talk about this a lot. And we we were talking about like, what would we share today? And we thought this was sort of an important piece. First of all, I want to kind of tell you guys why we're doing this episode. I've gotten asked a couple of times, like, do a solo episode or, you know, you've been through so many losses. Can you share more about how you got through those? Or we know you felt rock bottom at some point. And I don't know. I just thought it would be nice to like, I went through so much of that with you and I just thought it would be nice to share that with our community together. So yeah, I don't think it directly connects to what you're doing now. I mean, in many ways. Oh yeah, totally. Some of it is like because of it, you know? So we were talking about like, what would we share? And one of the things that I think has bonded us so much, and it's also like such a testament of like why we were supposed to find each other, I think is we quickly started going through some very, very hard things. And, um, you know, so we got engaged and we started planning the wedding and then we got a call that my older brother was going in for emergency brain surgery. And we found out he had stage four melanoma and quickly after that, my mom who had been already, you know, bedridden and 
struggling with multiple sclerosis for years, went into a nursing home, and then she had this horrible surgery that went wrong. And so there was just a lot, like even leading up to our wedding. And uh, I actually, to like circle back just a little bit, I remember bringing you home for the first time And like my home was chaotic and it wasn't like cookie cutter. And I just remember how open and welcoming and just like accepting you were of like where I came from and why I was who I was and, you know, my dysfunctional family who were full of love, but full of dysfunction. And so I remember just thinking like, God, you know, like I don't have to hide anything from this human. Like he still loves me, you know, like doesn't matter. One of the things we talk about a lot is like in the very beginning, we were going through sort of like really, really highs and really, really lows. So like we were falling in love. And then my brother was diagnosed with, you know, stage four melanoma. And then my mom went into hospice and like we read our vows in her hospital room. My like cousin like was our officiant or whatever, you know, the day before our wedding. And then we had this beautiful wedding. Like, I feel like everybody knew we needed this. Like they just came together and I just felt like I was like wrapped in like love the whole night. And it was one of the most incredible nights. And I don't just think it was because it was like our wedding. You know, my brother was there and he had like just had surgery. So I think he had like either had staples still in his head or like he'd just gotten them out and like people were getting him on the dance floor and I danced with him. I had a video and it was my last dance with him. And it was to one of our favorite Bob Seger songs. If you know... Yeah. Me and my family, you know how important Bob Seeger is to us. You know, so then we had would have this like high of this wedding. And then the next day it was like, okay, let's go see mom in hospice and then let's go home. And then we're going to our honeymoon. And then, you know, we would hear bad news about something on the honeymoon. It was just a lot. And then, you know, yeah. we went into like you getting melanoma and like that scare and when I was six months pregnant with Scar, which kind of happened soon after, it was a, she was a little bit of off. Like we were didn't know, like we were happy, but it was like, oh, well, doing that next, right? Right away, you know? <laughs> then that's when dad got sick, you know? So we just went through a lot right away. Yeah, I kind of feel like immediate attraction and we kind of knew right away that we were really into each other. It was just going to work out. But then it accelerated because of all that stuff that happened. Like we were there for each other in a big way. Ugh. And, you know, we saw some, I mean, just there was, there was tragic stuff, you know, I mean, just remember with your brother, which hospice was at home for him. Um, mm-hmm. Mother, which hospice was out, uh, you know, out of the house. But just the things that you were doing specifically, like I remember saying, saying to myself, oh my gosh, like not only this woman, beautiful inside and out, but she's like the matriarch of the family. Like you're flying to Detroit every weekend to take care of your dad, your brother, you know, and doing things that no one should see when you have somebody in hospice and you had to do things, you know, and we would 
have these walks and talks. And I don't know anybody in this world that dealt with what you dealt with in such a short period of time, but how you did it with grace and love and how you've advocated for them and fought for them. I was like, this woman mm. is incredible. Oh, thanks, babe. Whew, there was a lot of fighting, right? When yeah. we had to move my mom from that horrible nursing home that yeah. she was like tied to the bed. I walked in and she was like tied to the bed. Oh my God. I would like went, do not mess with my family. Like, do not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You were like by my side though, the entire time. Like I know the story you're referring to when Steve was in hospice and uh, you helped me and we saw like, I guess we won't share the whole story obviously, but like we just saw like a lot of blood and it was one of the worst things I've ever seen in my life. I'm sure that's one of yours. And, uh, we went on this walk after, you know, we called the hospice nurse right away and we walked and we were just like, oh my God, oh my God, like, what did we just see? And and then like, you know, we processed it and, and then within like 10 minutes, I remember like laughing about something and I just remember, and it wasn't like we were laughing in an inappropriate time or anything, but it was like, we could find these moments of joy somehow through it all and I just remember, I will never forget that moment. Like, I just remember feeling like, oh, like I'm going to be okay. Like I have him, like I'm going to, I'm going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. So then we had a little miss scar. So my dad passed away at six months pregnant with scar. We have scar. I have like horrible postpartum or I'm just like, oh my God, I just lost my entire family. We don't really know because we lost mom, Steve, dad, all within two years. So it was really quickly and had a baby and got married. <laughs> Let's just do it all at once. Okay. But then we had this like string of miscarriages. So we lost a baby at four and a half months, a baby at 10 weeks. And then we lost twin baby girls at five and a half months. And that was really hard. And it, crushed me. Like I was at the point where I couldn't handle anything else. Like I just, I was just, I wasn't okay. Like that was definitely my lowest point, you know, as we know, like I was having a lot of bad thoughts and I don't want to be here anymore. And so I think from there things started going up, but that was a lot. That was probably your rock bottom, wouldn't you say, love? That yeah. that one day in the closet. You know? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't like, I wouldn't say like that was the lowest, but I think that was the moment where I tell this story and I'll I'll tell it here, like where I was in my closet. We were in the city. And it was just me and Scar at home. And she was like in the other room. And I was just like in the mirror having full body dysmorphia. I'm like trying on jeans. Like they're not fitting the way that I want them to fit. And and I'm just like, I can't even see myself in the mirror. If you've ever had body dysmorphia, like it's weird. It's so weird. It's like you don't know if what you're seeing is reality. You don't believe it. It's wild. And 
Scar runs in and she's like three and a half little sweet angel. And she's like, mommy, like, what are you doing? You know? And I like snapped out of it kind of. And I was like, like, what, what am I, what am I doing? What am I doing? Like I am sitting here torturing myself. Like I think I wanted something back so badly. I want something to be like it was before. But the thought that I had then was, oh my God, I'm I'm doing what I grew up watching my mom do. You know, and my mom got sick with multiple sclerosis when I was five. So I was often in her bedroom with her being the only other girl in the house. And I was like her body, like she started losing her body and she also lost her mental health, you know? And that's why in my project, I talk about like body image and mental health being so linked a lot. Like she's my, a lot of my passion and my daughter, our daughter, excuse me, (laughs) talking to the husband, not somebody else. But I went through this sort of, from a very young age, this, emotional, mental toll that she had from her body changing. And we would be like changing her clothes a million times and trying to figure out what she could fit in because maybe she just finished like a round of steroids and she was super puffy and her feet got really swollen and it was like, it was hard. And um, I think the day Scarlett came in, I just thought this feels very similar. Yeah. And I don't want to do that. Yeah. And um. That's the day I also like texted my two of my really best friends, longtime best friends in Michigan. And I just said, I don't want to talk about it, but I know I'm supposed to tell somebody. So I'm telling you and um, told them. And uh, then I was like, well, I got to tell Jason now because he's going to find out. (laughs) And I didn't want to tell you because I didn't want to freak you out. And like, I didn't even tell my... I didn't even tell my therapist at the time because I didn't want to freak her out. And then I had to tell, I had to come clean everybody. And it was almost like when I did, I did feel like a bit of a sense of relief. I had a ways to go, believe me. But like, it was almost like my dirty little secret was like out. You felt suicidal. Yes. So I think that started this journey of like, okay, I am going to be here. I'm going to be here. So what does that look like? What does that mean? Who do I want to be? I was the ultimate caretaker up to this point, not just to my family, but to everybody, every single friend. And like, where was I in this life? Who did I want to be? What kind of mom did I want to be? What kind of wife did I want to be? What kind of woman do I want to stand for? How do I want to feel? Yeah. So all those things started like ruminating in my in my brain, you know. The connection to the Beyond Beauty project. Can you bring it back to that point in time? Did you think about it beforehand? How did it incubate and then how did it accelerate? I mean, where you are today is amazing. You know, I've been with you for the whole journey, but we've known each other, been married for 13 years, but was there a part of you earlier than that that said, okay, I I need to change the narrative here. Yeah. So I think I always wanted to, I can remember walking around Paris at 19 years old with my Discman, my Discman player, listening to Beatles on repeat and just thinking, I'm going to help women and children one day with their confidence. You know, I feel like I didn't grow up having a lot of 
natural confidence maybe, or I didn't get it because my mom didn't have a lot of it. And that's kind of got, got passed down for me, but it was definitely something that I've had to work on throughout the years. So I actually just found a journal entry from 2006 and I wrote, I do a lot of dear body journaling. I did a lot of it when I was healing from the miscarriages and we do a lot in our workshops now. And I wrote dear body. Thank you so much. And I wrote something about, because I was modeling at the time, like, I never want to use my beauty to harm other people. I don't even think I knew what I was saying, but now I do. So I had already kind of started on my Instagram, like sharing like some of my skincare and more like surfacey things. Like it was kind of a question I got a lot. But I always like, I'm a deep person. I like to go deep, like, let's get in there and talk about the stuff, you know? So when I um, finally opened up about how I was really feeling, I started sharing it on Instagram. And then I got these beautiful messages. And then a little bit after that, I was like, okay, I'm going to go back to modeling. I had been with Ford for years and they had just sort of transferred over to a different agency. So I went back, I thought I was ready. And I had this really uncomfortable conversation with them. And I was, I went back at a size six just to put it in perspective. I'd always modeled at like a four, six, but they told me I needed to get into shape and like my arms were too thick and a few other things. And um, I just, I don't know. I got off the phone. I cried. I was 41 years old. I cried because someone told me my arms were big and I just, I had a lot of conversations. I felt like I wanted to be like super thoughtful about it because I knew that walking away from them would be a big deal. They're a really good agency. I've been with them for a long time. It's like I have a lot of respect for my career. And um, there was a few things there. Like I needed to heal myself without the pressure of someone sort of deeming me worthy by my appearance. I needed some humanity in also what had just happened to me. I had just gone through all of these miscarriages and these family losses. And uh, I felt like it was missing a little bit. And I also, I really didn't understand because I think I was already seeing, well, it, it was already happening, to be honest. This is only four years ago. But now it's even a little bit, it's like if things have gotten a little bit faster in the last couple of years, you know, with diversity and people trying, but. I didn't understand why I couldn't represent a 41-year-old woman that was a size six. So I just said, you know what? Going back to kind of like what I went through growing up with my mom and like my little girl now. And, you know, I already had like my niece that like thought I was so cool and she was watching me and would see me in advertisements and stores and I just couldn't do it. It didn't line up. I don't think I really understood at the time exactly what I was doing, but I couldn't. There was no part of me that could continue because it didn't line up with like any of my values anymore. And I really wanted to change. I wanted, I I thought like, I want to help women and children with confidence. And maybe this is how, maybe this is what I'm supposed to do. Like more people should see themselves represented in the media And our self-worth is getting damaged from this. Like if I got off the phone crying and I look like the beauty ideal for the most part, you know, like 
I do. Like I'm privileged. I'm white. I'm tall. I'm thin. I have long, shiny hair, like Eurocentric features. Like if I'm feeling like I'm not enough, this is a serious issue in the world. So then it just sort of like, I went, I walked away from that. I just said like, I need a second. And then I started the podcast (laughs) and you were like, wait, what? You don't know how to make a folder on your computer. No, no. What, uh, you know, from my perspective, obviously we live together. (laughs) I've been part of this uh, from the beginning, but knowing you, knowing this story and knowing this journey and knowing where you're at now, like, I don't think there's anybody more qualified to do what you're doing to, to lead this beyond beauty project because, and you said it, you know, you grew up in a, in a household with a mom that had MS that whose body was changing and you had to watch her try to fit into the beauty ideal with MS. And now here you are, I think it's kind of ironic, but also creates a a high level of credibility and qualification that you were part of an industry that could be deemed as the problem, the modeling agency, Mm -hmm. modeling world, the advertising world. You know, I'm guessing a size six is not representative of the population. You know, so did you feel like that when you were modeling or did it change uh, when you were 41 and you got the call and, you know, you needed to lose weight? Like, you know, when did you realize this is screwed up? Oh, God, I think I knew that early, to be honest. I also was like always like a big size four, you know, and it was always, I was always like the healthy model on set. Like, even if no one said it, I was usually like, I had quit at one point already. And I went back and got like my personal training certification. And I got really into like, that's when I started studying like holistic nutrition and stuff. And I ended up getting certified in that because I wanted to really get in tune with myself because I was, you know, I started during the Wayfarer, the like heroin chic, Kate Moss. So I had a lot of healing to do from that. And there were so many eating disorders and so many diets and diet pills. And so I had taken a moment in my mid twenties, like 25, I would say. And I moved back home and I just got really grounded. And when I went back, I went back with Ford Models in New York, I promised myself. And I also spoke to my booker that I was signing with And I just said, I have to do things that are like me, like my body type. Like I can't force myself to be something I'm not. So gratefully, I actually, one of the bookers there is like one of my best friends and like we had modeled together. So it was this like wonderful connection that I had and she really helped me through that. But I always sort of knew like, you know, even when I first started modeling, like There was no diversity. There was no size diversity. There was no race diversity. I mean, it was obvious, you know, I don't know, you know, if everybody noticed it, I did. And then I think around the time I had went back to New York, that was when like they called it then. I don't think they call it this anymore, but like the plus size division started and it was really gaining a lot of momentum, which was great. But yeah. Yeah. What about ageism? You know, do you think that there's a difference between how men and women are viewed? Do I think there's a difference? Oh, yes, I do. I mean, yeah. <laughs> 
do you really want me to answer this question? No, just kidding. Well, that's something that's different too, is like, oh God, if like, you know, when I started modeling, it's like, by the time you were 30, you were like an old lady and you couldn't model anymore. And you know, that's thankfully changing. And there's amazing, badass women that are like rocking the silver hair and like authentically showing up as them and like slashing ageism. But yes, it's still an issue. And this is why we're talking about it a lot. And there's a lot of other people talking about it's very different between a man and a woman. And there's studies. I'm I'm reading a cool book right now, um, The Beauty Myth by Virginia Woolf. And like, it's just the things you hear about how you know, airline stewardess used to get weighed. And, you know, if you gain five pounds, you would get fired. And we just did a study about like the silent beauty work of women and how I think there's actually something I have to remember this exactly. There's some sort of law too, where like women can get fired. It's not just some like feminist conspiracy theory. There's like a lot to it. I don't want to talk too much of that side of it. Cause I don't want to get things incorrect here, but women's looks are very consequential. Men are allowed to be gray and they're distinguished and they're handsome and they're dapper and they have more wisdom even to share as they get a little bit older where when women get older, it's like, that's it. They don't remember our wisdom and our intelligence that we've gained along the years. So I think we have a ways to go. I think we have a ways to go with all of it. We have a ways to go with showing different kinds of bodies, like even ableism, like there was zero people that didn't have the normal body. Like you didn't see women in wheelchairs or with prosthetic legs. And they're trying to show that a little bit more now. So we have a ways to go, but at least people are starting to talk about it. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm very proud of you from zero followers to 26,000 followers to I love you and my followers. He really uh, likes the followers. The podcast that you're on your fourth season, you know, the workshops that you're doing. I mean, you are grown significantly. So could you bring us through that growth? But then also what are you looking forward to in the next couple of years? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think, like I was saying, when I started, I kind of just was like, I'm going to start this thing. I didn't know what I was doing, you know? So it's been this like really beautiful unfolding, but also this journey of really getting to know myself, I would say. When I started my project, it wasn't just like, I want to help women and children, you know, feel more confident and or feel like they have more self-worth. I needed it too. So I was very open and raw and I still am about like, let's go on this journey. I need to heal with you. Like, let's all heal together. So I think it's just been this like natural progression of getting more education around what I am talking about and getting more like streamlined into like where I'm really passionate. Things have happened. I've kind of let them sort of happen mostly organically. About two years ago, I started getting asked for like some talks and some workshops. And it was all very like all over from like a corporate event to sorority event to a preteen event, you know. And then I I started getting like a little overwhelmed. So I took a bit of a moment to, okay, 
this is amazing because people are obviously like into the message and and that people like need it and want it. But I wanted to get a little more education under my belt. Like I'm finishing my certification for eating disorders right now. I've been, you know, I learn a lot when I interview people and I read their books and, and I just needed to do a little bit more like behind the scenes foundation. But so I think my journey has been organic. It's something I'm crazy passionate about. Every time I wake up in the middle of the night, I think about it. I love what I'm doing. I'm trying to go at a pace that I really enjoy it. And I get to also like take care of myself and be a mom and hang out with you and hang out with my friends. And so my future, immediate future goals for like this year are I want to get back on the circuit with like the workshops and the keynoting and kind of refining what that looks like for me. Do I want to, you know, do I want to do like corporate sorority and preteen or do I want to like focus? I mean, the preteen workshop is like, every time I think of it still, it like just makes my heart so happy. But I think I'll do all of it with TED Talk. Ready for a TED Talk? From yeah, you are. <laughs> um, explain a little bit about the curriculum. Like if you're doing a workshop with a preteen crowd, what's part of the materials? How do they learn? Yeah. So a lot of it is, you know, I really talk to them about like, there's so much more than our physical appearance, right? So we can't look at someone and know like, what kind of person they are, what they're going through. And also there's so much more to us than our appearance. So there's a little bit of like kind of getting in tune with education around our bodies and getting in tune with our bodies, um, really coming back to like, you have all the answers and you're going to get a lot of messaging sent to you from your family, your friends, the media, social media, if you're on it. And like at the end of the day, you have to come back to you. Like, how do you feel? So I do a little bit of social media education with them because it's something that's so in their face now about like the face tuning and the retouching and really pointing out to them that a lot of the things they see aren't real. So they're pining over something or wanting something that's not actually reality. And I think education is power. So the more that they can know, the more they can be armed. And then we always like do a little bit of a dear body love letter. We do some meditations. We do some movement. Um, I let them ask us, ask me questions and it's, it's beautiful. So it's a little bit of a combo of like education and like remembering like their self-worth and it really comes, comes from them. Yeah. I love that. I've learned a lot from you from this project. And the one thing I've learned, it's friggin' systemic. It is global, mm-hmm. almost a pandemic in itself that uh, started so many years ago, ancient times. So how do you approach it? Like, it's such a broad problem. How do you tackle it? I think this is sort of like my biggest challenge, but also maybe my biggest opportunity Because when I first started, I'm like, I'm going to save everyone. Like, that's sort of my nature anyways. I'm like, who wants a hug? I'll give you a hug, you know? But as you start kind of refining your company and your branding and your messaging, and you learn that you're supposed to sort of niche down. And I don't think my message needs to get niched down because I think it's a message that everybody needs. 
But I will say like, I just naturally talk to women and maybe women that have little girls more because I'm a woman and I have a little girl or even like women with children, I would say. But like there was a man, he emailed me yesterday, he had read my article that I wrote. And it's such a beautiful, like thoughtful, kind of lengthy email about how he read this article I wrote and it really touched him. And like, he hoped that I knew that like my message like was good for men too. And and I was like, oh, So, hey, I would love to grow one day and have like different divisions. And, you know, I don't know, somehow, I don't know how I would do it, but I have a lot of moms that reach out that have boys. And then, you know, like there's a lot of like transgender kids and that are, you know, all the genders that are like, they're figuring stuff out and they need to be accepted and represented and seen. They need to see themselves too. So, how can we do all of that here? I think it's our message is really universal. I don't know. It's a, that's a tricky one for me, to be honest, because yeah. I think I think my message goes to everyone. But I think people sometimes think that I just focus on women and girls because that's what I talk about a lot because that's who I am and that's what I have, you know? Yeah, no, I get it. I've uh, watched your season four now of your podcast series. So you typically have, you end many of your podcasts the same way, which is kind of this lightning round. And you always ask the folks that are on your podcast, how would you define beauty? So I have to ask you that to start with that one. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I always say beauty is how we feel because I worked or have worked in an industry for a long time that you know, I got paid for how I looked, but there was many times I didn't always feel beautiful because of what was going on internally. And that's why I really connect mental health with our body image and our self-esteem and our self-worth. So I really focus on kind of helping get the awareness out around feeling our best, like physically, mentally, spiritually. Because I think when you feel the best in those areas, you have this little glow and you your essence comes through differently. So I think beauty is how you, how we feel. I agree. Um, who inspires you? Ooh, you do, Jay Brown. <laughs> you do. Okay. I would say my daughter inspires me. She's a little fighter and like, I just love how spunky and like, she's like herself, you know? And I really want to, I know we're trying to really have her keep that, you know? And then I'm really inspired by a lot of people sort of like in my little curated community on Instagram, just really making changes and using their voices and being super brave. And there's a lot of them that I'm inspired by. I think I just think they're awesome. And I'm super like happy to know them. And I have a few people that I'm interviewing after you and I'm reading their book. And it's just, they're, they're just cool. And so I'm super inspired by them. Yeah. You know, just in your program yourself, I mean, I love how you rotate through internships and you're, I don't know how many rounds of interns you've had already, but that in itself has been, and how you mentor them, you know, even running, you know, being in, in the corporate world and seeing how a corporate organization kind of, you know, the processes and systems stuff, believe me love you the way you operate your business is like like a ceo like the way you're running it it is really inspiring 
I am a CEO. Yeah, I know you are. Um, I, it's because I am a CEO. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you are. Right. Well, it's important to me how I lead. Like yeah. we are really talking about mental health. Like I would be a horrible leader if that wasn't one of my priorities. Yeah. And so, and I, and I want my internships to be about mentorship and want them to have a good experience. I want to get help too, but I really, I love those little cuties. Yeah. Well, what you're doing for the world, what you're doing for them. And then, then how you show up for, for Scarlett, our daughter too, is, is inspiring to me. And my last question is, is typically your last question, which is if you could tell your younger self one thing, what would it be? But I'm going to change it a little bit. If you could tell Scarlett one thing, our daughter, nine years old, what would it be? I think, you know, we answer this question, how we wish we would have done things maybe differently. And I can sit here and say like nothing because, you know, I am who I am because of all the things I went through. But I really wish I wouldn't have listened or worried so much about everything around me, you know, and I think that comes from our media and our pressure from our parents or our friends. And if we could learn younger to really check in with ourselves, so I would tell her like, check in with yourself really take a moment and say, how does that feel to me? Like, how do I feel when I'm with that person? Or how do I feel when I'm doing that thing? And taking inventory, because we have the best little guides inside of us called our intuition, our little spirits. So I wish I would have listened to that earlier. And I really, I really hope that she does. I tell her to all the time. I know you We'll do. see. <laughs> <laughs> we will find out, won't we? <laughs> I think before we wrap up, you know, earlier in the conversation, you said that you left the modeling industry, but later on in the conversation, you said you, you had come back to it. So I think it'd be helpful to hear what that means. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's confusing sometimes. That's part of like our messaging that we're trying to get clear I am still represented in modeling, but I'm very particular about what I'll do because for me, it really needs to align with what I want to influence in the world, what I want to, I guess, represent. Like I won't do anti-aging stuff. It's just not something that I can stand behind. It's ageist. And I do want to represent the 40, now 46 year old woman who is here living her life, you know? So I will do that. That's the kind of thing when it comes to modeling, I can get behind, but yeah, I had to take a moment and sort of like really think about if I were to go back, what it would be like. So yeah, thanks for asking that though. Cause it is a little confusing. Just in the last four years, you know, when you kind of when you were 41 years old and you had that conversation with your modeling agency at the time to now, yes, you're incre- I'm incredibly proud of what you've done with your company. But most importantly, like the purpose that you have, the passion you have for this project and the momentum behind it is inspiring to me. You know, and I remember when we were at that Tony Robbins conference, remember? And I, I don't exactly remember like the 
the slide, but I do remember there's like a triangle and then mm-hmm. top of the triangle was like in your lifetime, if you can get to the top of the triangle, it means you are giving back and you are doing something very purposeful. Do you feel like you're at the top of the triangle? Like you're giving service. Yeah. Um, yeah, I do. I'm very fulfilled because I feel like it's not about me. You know, it's a really about making change and I just want to help people. And I love helping people. I love that we are helping people and I just can't wait to do more. Like I get so excited about it. I yeah. wish I had like, if anybody wants to give me a couple million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I wish I had like so much like resources to like, you know, just hire people and do more and do more workshops and, you know, but I'm going to get there. I'm getting there. So, and I'm excited and I'm doing it myself and I feel actually really proud of that. So that was a joke. I mean, it's not the, the biggest joke, but I'm proud that we're funding this and we're doing the hard work. We're learning the marketing and the branding and I'm learning Facebook meta ads right now. And I've learned so much and I like that part too, because it's kind of part of my healing as well. It's like I modeled for so long, but I wanted to do something else for so long that like gave me a lot of meaning and purpose. And I could use my, my brains, you know, these brains on here. I feel like you've been helping people based on everything I know about you since you were six years old and your mother got diagnosed with MS. Like that's part of who you are. It really is. I feel good when I'm helping other people, you know? Yeah, totally. Okay, last question. Okay, make it a good one. It's 420. Mm -hmm. Are you up for going on a date downtown or are we watching a movie on the couch? (laughs) Are we going to a grandma grandpa dinner, our favorite? Five o'clock, yes. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's go on a little date. We'll be home by seven. We'll be fine. Yeah, I love it. Eight, bed by eight. So our jam. All right. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for being here with me today. I love by the it. way, we're in the same house, yeah. but we're in different rooms because yeah. the logistics with the audio and the recording. So like we actually are in the same house because that can be confusing <laughs> if you're watching this. Here, I love just like knock on the knock on the uh, on the wall. <laughs> Totally. Okay, I'll see you in like, I'll see you in like a minute. All right, love you. Okay, come on. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Your support truly means the world to me and to my team. If you enjoyed today's episode, please don't forget to rate and review. It helps us so much. And if you're not already, make sure to follow along on Instagram and LinkedIn to stay up to date on all things happening at the Beyond Beauty Projects. You can also subscribe to our newsletter from our website, beyondbeautyproject.com and our exclusive subscription through Instagram. And remember, in a world that is constantly trying to tell us to look a certain way, act a certain way, and to do more, don't forget to take moments to check in with you, to take care of you, so you can be authentically you. Thank you for coming on this journey with us to redefine beauty, reclaim our bodies, and rediscover our self-worth. 
I will see you next time. This podcast episode is designed to be for informational and discussion purposes only. I am not a doctor and I'm not trained as a medical provider or counselor. I do not provide medical care or attempt to diagnose, treat, prevent, or cure any physical ailment or any mental or emotional issue, disease, or condition on this podcast. Always seek the advice of your own physician or other qualified healthcare providers with any questions you may have regarding your personal medical condition. Do not disregard recommended medical advice or treatment or delay in seeking professional medical advice because of information or content obtained from this podcast. If you have or suspect that you have a medical or mental health issue, please contact your own healthcare provider promptly. For urgent medical needs, please contact your healthcare provider or call 911 immediately.